Hi, and welcome to Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. If you're wondering what you can do with your degree, you're in the right place. You'll learn top tips and strategies you can apply to build an impactful career and meaningful life. Your host, Dr. Marin Wood, will share evidence-based research so that you can job search the smart way. Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Marin Wood. Thank you for joining me. In the very first episode of this podcast, I shared with you my own career transition story and how it was a hard and demoralizing time for me. I know I'm not alone in feeling this way. One of the things that I get to do as part of my work at Beyond the Professoriate is mentor and advise graduate students and PhDs who are going through their own period of career transition and that what their experience is, is very similar to how I felt. Lost, demoralized, anxious, and incredibly uncertain about career futures and career options. The other day I was speaking to a, a client about his career transition and He had been applying for jobs for months using what he called the spaghetti approach. He was applying for jobs just randomly, anything that looked like he might have the skills, he'd write a resume and submit it. And he was getting nowhere. He had zero interviews. And his experience is very similar to what I see with a lot of of PhDs. And this comes from, I think, I don't know, popular culture or even um, sometimes the way in which unemployment insurance works, depending on what state or province you're in, the idea that job searching means writing writing resumes and submitting them to online job posts. The problem is, this is a failed strategy that almost never works, especially if you're taking this spaghetti approach of just randomly applying for anything that looks interesting. And I understand why people do this. I understand that it's, again, a job search strategy that seems to Uh, exist in popular culture or mythology as as what you do when you're applying for jobs. Uh, But it almost never works. And it certainly doesn't work for people who are in career transition. Applying for resumes, submitting your resumes to online job postings might work if you have a lot of direct linear work experience. um, And you're applying for like, if you're a nurse and you're applying for a job as a nurse, or you're an editor and you're applying for a job as an editor, you might be successful. But for PhDs who are leaving academia and moving into non-academic careers, or people who've earned master's degrees and are trying to pivot back into industry, this isn't going to work. And the problem is, because so many people are using this this strategy of just randomly applying for anything that looks like a possibility, what they learn is not that that, that their strategy is a failure, but that they're a failure and that no one will hire them because they have a PhD. I hear that all the time. No one will hire me because I have a PhD. And what happens is that then people default into these contingent, poorly paid positions within academia because they become so convinced that no one outside of academia will see their worth. They're not interested in their degree. And it's partly true. No one will hire you because of your degree. People will hire you because you have the right skills to do a job, because you're a good cultural fit for the organization, and because they can see alignment between what they need and what you do. So to job search the smart way means that you need to follow a process. And I talked a little bit about this process, the stages of career transition, in the last episode, but I want to dig into this a little bit deeper. Because what I've seen happen is a, just a transformation amongst PhD job search candidates when they finally learn the process. And the good news is you are a great student 
if you've earned a master's degree or a PhD, you know how to learn, you know how to follow a process. And so once PhDs learn the process, then it becomes much more possible for them to maximize their career success and their job search and land opportunities that align with their own values and interests. So to, to share with you another story before I get into the process, uh, a few years ago, I met Michelle, and I'm just going to go ahead and use her name. Uh, Michelle was a visiting assistant professor, and she knew that this was not a long-term strategy for her. She liked her colleagues, but she knew that long-term being a VAP was untenable. It wasn't going to allow her to achieve what she wanted to, to achieve in her life and in her career, which just is a, a glass ceiling. You're contingent, and you will never be permanent. So we started working together through the process that I'm going to to share with you on this podcast. And, you know, it actually takes a while, depending on who you are and what you want to do with, with your life and how aware you are of non-academic career options. So when we started working together, Michelle in, initially wanted to leverage her subject matter expertise and focus on, on, on Spanish uh, culture and Spanish languages. And she was very interested in social justice. She, she still is. But we started with this sort of very narrow job search of thinking about non, uh, non-academic career options within nonprofits. But they didn't pay well and there weren't a lot of opportunities. And it, wasn't, it was kind of still soft. It wasn't a clear career pathway. And so M- Michelle continued to teach and we kept working together and thinking about what else she could do. And she was exploring a lot of different career options, talking to a lot of different PhDs about where they were working and what they were doing. And one of the things that we really had to work on and what took some time was really understanding what it was about academic work, about the work she was doing uh, as a scholar and teacher, and really digging into the values. What is it that you actually love about the work that you're doing now? What is energizing and motivating to you about that work? And this is often very challenging. Sometimes people say, well, I love teaching. And it's like, well, what about teaching? Is it the knowledge transfer? Do you like being an expert and sharing information with others? Do you like, uh, is it the 18 to 24-year-old? And if you say, yes, I love working with 18 to 24-year-olds, then my question is, well, how many other demographics have you worked with? Is it possible for you to find similar career satisfaction mentoring and advising other demographics or groups? Is it public speaking? Is it curriculum design and development? Is it empowering others? What is it about teaching that you actually value? And it's the same with research. When you say you love your research, well, what is it about your research that you actually love? What is it about problem solving or developing new knowledge or new systems? What is it that you actually love about research? Is it project management? Is that the piece you actually love? So we spend a lot of time in that space. And oftentimes this is the space that so many people skip because we think, well, I need a job. Like I have to pay my bills. I can't spend time thinking about my values. And one of the things that might happen in your career transition is that you might end up taking work to pay your bills and feed yourself as you continue to explore a career. And one of the things you need to think about is is separating how you feed yourself, how you pay your bills from the career that you're ultimately going to have. And always remember that there is no shame in hard work. If you end up working, you know, as a personal shopper at Whole Foods, it pays better than adjuncting. Like, first of all, it gives you more time for networking and creative thinking than um, adjuncting. And it's a job you can leave. And no one will care in a non-academic job that you worked retail or you worked customer service. In fact, it can help you build skills. 
So it's, when you're going through this process, it's not that you're not going to be working. It's just that you are going to be having to spend some time to figure out what it is you actually want to do next, at least to a certain extent. You're not going to be able to figure it all out, but you're going to be want to figure out some things about yourself. Now, through the career exploration process, Michelle was able to expand her understanding of professional work and opportunities that exist for people with her skills and passion. And what she ultimately settled on was UX research. It's a growing field. It's a space where we see humanities and social sciences PhDs being quite successful. And it aligns with Michelle's own desires and passions to help people gain access to information that can change their lives. That's the hook. Now, just because you've settled on a non-academic career doesn't mean that you can just start applying for jobs. Professional jobs are, as I've mentioned before, highly specialized, and it's going to take time to read yourself into a new field. And so for a number of months, what Michelle did was just read herself into the new field. She joined a National Professional Association for UX Research. She got a mentor who helped her learn about the industry. She started developing a portfolio and learning the language and strategies and skills of UX research. And through that research project of learning all about UX research, she was then able to heavily modify her LinkedIn profile, adopt the language of the employer, and write resumes. But she was also still networking. And through her networking, she was able to land an opportunity to apply for a job. And she was able to use the language of employers to talk about her academic work experience in ways that made sense. She was able to take her teaching and talk about how teaching is similar to UX research, how her ability to take feedback in her courses was similar to the way in which UX researchers evaluate the information they're getting from users of technology and make modifications and changes. And so through this experience of of researching career options, she was able to identify a career that, you know, wasn't really hot a couple of years ago, but it's a fast growing field, lots of options in the city where she lives. And she was able to get a really great uh, job in UX research at an insurance company, which also surprised her. But when we were talking about this career transition recently, What's interesting, and again, this goes back to assumptions that we make about non-academic workspaces, is that the people who are at this insurance company are actually really passionate about making insurance accessible to everybody. And they're passionate and committed to diversity and equality and making sure that people have access to information they need to properly purchase insurance. And her company and the people who she works with care about employees. She's well compensated. She has great benefits. She was able to take flexible time during COVID because she has a small family. She was supported with parental leave. All of the benefits that she wanted, the lifestyle she actually wants to be intellectually engaged, surrounded by people who value her, well paid, using her skills, applying her education, she's able to do as a UX researcher in a space that when we started, Uh, she would never have considered, never in a million years would that have been a place where she would have thought she would find an alignment with her personal values, her political values, and her work and ambition. So what I want to tell you is that the process that we're going to talk about in this podcast works. It takes time. But if you follow these steps, you will be able to successfully move from where you're at right now, gain confidence, and successfully apply for jobs with proven strategies. Now, what I want to do very quickly before I wrap up this podcast is walk you through some of the stages of career transition and talk to you about the goal that you should have at each of these stage stages. We 
talked about how it took a while to discover what Michelle was really passionate about in terms of her own values and interests. What actually motivates you about the work you're doing? That's stage one, and we call it the discovery stage. And your goal at the discovery stage is to recognize your optimal career pathway. Now, oftentimes when we think of careers, we think of being like a teacher, doctor, lawyer, dentist, doing one thing for the rest of our lives. But that's not actually how careers work anymore. People will do multiple things throughout their lives. Your career will be the sum of all the opportunities you say yes to. And as opportunities come your way, you'll want to have a metric that you can measure them. And that metric will include what you love, what energizes you, what motivates you, what you're passionate about. It will also include your skills. What are you actually really good at? And then it will look at what the world will actually pay you money to do. And those things will shift. You have to remember that the iPhone came out in 2007. So what the world will pay you money to do might be very different in 10 years than it is right now as technology rapidly changes our society and culture. So that's the discovery stage, spending time reflecting on your own values and interests. And uh, in addition to the resources we have available at beyondprof.com, you can also check out Imagine PhD, which is a great free assessment tool. Uh, it's, it's useful for masters and PhDs. It's a, a design for humanities and social sciences, but we've heard from the people who've created Imagine, uh, Imagine PhD that about 20% of the users are STEM. So it's one of the places we really recommend people starting. Then you want to move into what's called the research stage. So once you actually have this idea of like what your values are, what motivates you, what energizes you, and you've spent time thinking about your skills, what do you actually do as an academic? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? What do you do when you teach? What is knowledge transfer? What, is, what are the skills you use to develop and design curriculum? How do you actually mentor and advise undergraduates? What are the skills that you've actually developed as an academic? Once you've actually got a handle on those things, what you do and what you love, then you want to think a bit about what the world will actually pay you money to do. And you want to get into what we call the research stage, stage two. And this is a great stage for those of you who are at the like, I think maybe UX research, but maybe digital marketing, but maybe project management, but also maybe student affairs. And you're really unclear about, you know, all of these options. There's different options that you're curious about. And depending again on, on where you're at and how much time you have, you can spend some time in this research stage, just really learning about different career options and comparing them to that optimal career path. What of these career options will allow you to have the life that you actually want for yourself? At the end of the research stage, once you've gathered information about various different careers that you're interested in, then I want you to sit down and it's, that's the time when you actually want to choose one thing like Michelle did. She chose UX research of all the things that she could do. She chose UX research. And it's important to choose because you cannot be all the things to all the people. Another person I spoke to recently who moved from uh, academia into project management did a similar career transition in that she joined a local chapter for project managers. She got a mentor. She was networking heavily with people who worked in the city where she wanted to, to live. She was networking with other project managers. One of them, when she was speaking to him, she said, I'd like to get more experience what, you know, can you help me? I like, I've done my certification. I have the background, but I just don't have a lot of experience in project management. And he could see how great she was, what her potential was. And he took an interest and he created a study, a a work shadow program for her. 
And then after that, that work shadow program, job shadow program that she did, he offered her a position. So it's that because she had taken the time to learn the knowledge and, and shown and demonstrated that she could apply the knowledge of project management to a particular setting. So this research stage is the stage, or sorry, this implementation stage, after you've done this research stage and you choose what you want to do next, you have to then move into the implementation stage. And you cannot do all of this work for all of the jobs. You have to choose one because it's exhausting. You're reading yourself into a new field and you're implementing a proven job search to land a job in one career field. So if you're at the discovery stage and you're submitting resumes, you haven't done enough research to be successful. At the research stage, you're evaluating a whole bunch of opportunities to see what might be possible and, you know, choose the, la- the path of least resistance. At the implementation stage, this is the stage when, you, when you've chosen what you want to do next. You have an idea that there's opportunities for you in the city that you want to live in. And now it's time to really dig in and start job searching. It's time to take those online courses, to get the certification, to do the internships, to take contract work, to do what it takes to get the experience and build the network. And it's through those referrals of the the network uh, that you will ultimately land an opportunity. One final story to share with you. I was talking to an applied mathematician named David, and when he was finishing his postdoc, he knew he didn't want to go into academia. He told me that the only thing on his phone that he found useful was the map app. That was the only thing that he thought was useful at all. And so he knew that he wanted to go into technology and he was, wanted to work in like navigation, building apps to help people navigate. He knew he didn't want to live in Silicon Valley or in, in Seattle, but Amazon and Apple and Google are like the big ones. So he just networked hard with people who worked at those companies so he could learn more about the field, more about the skills, how job searching worked, how the interview uh, process worked, what he should put on his resume. And he just networked really hard with people who were working in that space, but in cities he didn't even want to live in. And then when a job came up in Chicago, based on all of this research that he'd been doing, this time he'd spent at the implementation stage to implement a proven job search, he was able to successfully write a resume and a cover letter that got him an interview at a company where he actually didn't have a contact. But he had the knowledge that allowed him to be successful in that application, and that knowledge came through that research that he'd been doing. And then when he got the opportunity to interview for that job, he knew what to expect and he knew what people were looking for, so he was able to ace that interview. And again, you cannot do that work for every career field. You have to just focus on one. Read yourself into that new field, develop the network, develop the knowledge you need to be successful in applying for jobs. And that then you will be successful in landing opportunities and interviewing and landing job offers. The final stage is stage four, which we call the builder stage. One of the concerns I hear when I walk people through this process of like, okay, what are your values? What are the options available to you? Now let's choose one. Let's implement a job search. Okay, there's a terror of what if I make the wrong choice? What happens if I end up choosing something and I don't like it? That's totally fine. That's what the builder stage is for. The first job you get out of academia is the hardest, and you're going to make the best informed career decision you possibly can based on what you know now and what you're able to learn about the professional workforce. But when you actually start immersing yourself in the professional workforce, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. You're going to learn about skills that you have that you didn't even know were in demand, that were unique to you. You'll be like, oh, wow, this is hard for other people. I was talking to uh, a PhD named Graham, who uh, 
got promoted to vice president of regulatory affairs because he was the person in the company who would always look up reg- regulation. When people, they'd have team meetings, they'd be like, well, what about this or what about that? He would go and do the research and come back and say, hey, well, this is what I've learned about regulatory affairs and how it applies to our company. So you might learn that, that you have a unique skill set like Graham did, and that might open up opportunities for you that you didn't even see or know about. So the builder stage is an opportunity for you to gather more information through working, by being in different environments, by um, evaluating the career that you've chosen, and then being able to look for other opportunities. Maybe you want to stay in that career field in advance. Maybe you like the work, but not the company. Maybe you like the company, but not the work. Maybe it's just totally wrong for you as well. So you don't have to worry what you want to do for the rest of your life. You just have to think about what you want to try next. Make the best informed career decision you possibly can with the information you're able to gather and begin to to make choices and develop strategies to implement a proven job search to land an opportunity in one career field and know that you can always evaluate that choice and move again. Research shows that people move careers every three to five years, and we certainly see PhDs moving even faster in the first one to three years out of the academy, that this builder stage is an opportunity for people to evaluate the choices they've made and move to new opportunities that come their way. The most important piece for all of this is that it will take time. It will take time for you to successfully job search. It will take time for you to evaluate all the opportunities that are available to you. It will take time for you to read yourself into a new career field. The sooner you can start this process, even if you're a graduate student and you're like, well, I don't know, I still maybe want to try for an academic job, totally fine. But do stage one, the discovery stage and the research stage so that you are prepared to implement a proven job search if you need to, if an academic career doesn't work out for you. If you're one of the many tenure track faculty right now that are just, or people who are in contingent positions that are waiting to hear on whether they're going to be terminated because of COVID recession and cutbacks, start. Don't wait. You can know you have options. You can be empowered to know that if the worst happens, if you lose that academic position, you will be okay because there are other spaces where you can thrive and you know how to get there. That's the most important piece of all of this. Knowing you have options is empowering. For those of you that are already in the thick and mess of the of this career transition, what I'd really recommend that you do is head over to beyondprof.com and take our free assessment tool. Um, we will ask you some knowledge questions and we will be able to tell you what stage you're actually at based on what you know and send you some resources to help you with your job search. So again, head over to beyondprof.com and look for our free assessment tool. Thank you so much for joining me. And I know this is, this is a lot. I know it can be overwhelming, but we're going to dig into these stages in greater detail in this, in this podcast and there are additional resources available on our blog. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. For more resources to help you launch your next great career, be sure to visit beyondprof.com and sign up for our free events. And remember, smart people work everywhere.